But allow me to go on to our sermon for today. We'll be reading from the book of John chapter 10. But let me give you a context um, to this claim that Jesus made. As we explore today, it comes, Jesus' claim comes after he has done a miracle. And this miracle is very unique. He had healed a man who was born blind. This healing caused such a big stir in that area. It drew attention to Jesus. <coughs> and if you are a student of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Jesus did not like the attention. In fact, he was averse and ran away. He, in fact, even told people that he healed, do not tell others. Now, in the Jewish religious tradition, like among the Catholics today, to prove a miracle had happened, they would first have to go to the church leadership to ascertain the veracity of this claim, that this miracle did happen. Once that was done, or the medium that this miracle was done, it was declared as holy or set apart, a separate, uh, set apart, uh, sacred or, or set for worship. Let me give you an example. People who had the disease of leprosy were kept outside the town, outside the city. Or if they were found to do that, they were kicked out of the city so that they would not infect others. There were leper colonies not far from different towns in Palestine and in fact, most of the Middle East at that time. These colonies depended on the benevolence of those who, who lived in the, in the city. So if you're a rela, okay, you're a rela of somebody who had leprosy, you would cater for them by taking food to them. Food provisions were, were left far, but, or they were lowered into a, where the, le, le, the leopard colony was so that people would not be in touch or come in contact with them. That worldview was common. But I want to suggest it also prevails today with diseases or communicable diseases or a form of a handicap. It is not uncommon around this African continent to know that a certain handicap or disability, people would say, this one is judgment from God. Any healing or change to that situation would have had to be certified by a priest in those days. Now this man born blind in John chapter 9, uh, uh, the disciples had asked what had happened to them. And Jesus responded that sometimes these things happen so that God's glory would be known. And not necessarily that that person's situation or circumstance would change, but that God's glory would be known. Sure enough, Jesus healed this guy and he got his sight. And when he went to the priests to get clearance of this miracle, because Jesus did instruct him, the interesting thing is that the priests, the, the Pharisees, priests, and these ones were more interested in two things. One, how is it that this person was healed on a Sabbath day? And number two, who was this person who healed this person? I mean, this guy was born blind, and he was, but they were saying, no, 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 this is the Sabbath. How come you are healed on the Sabbath? And 
who was it who told you to go to that pool uh, to wash yourself so that you can see? They rejected his story and called the man's parents to prove that he was actually born blind. And so when the parents were confronted, out of fear for repercussions of this, their testimony, they said, you ask this guy. He is of age. When questioned further, the man asked the priests, if they know so much, why don't they know this man that healed them? Evidently, this man did not know Jesus either. Their worldview view was that if this person, or if this person was born blind, it was because of sin. As we can see, the disciples asked, why is this guy blind? Why was he born blind? Is it because he sinned? So that was the general prevailing thinking. Now that he can see, his sins have been forgiven or atoned for. If we're going to use that logical track. Sindio? Alright? So now that he can see, so his sins has been atoned for. The only person who can do this, who can forgive you of your sins is, is God, right? But this strange fellow called Jesus has done that. So this strange fellow called Jesus is, wait for it, let me hear for you. This, okay, let me go back, okay. He was born blind, so it is a matter of sin. Jesus heals him. So his sins have been, okay, who can forgive sins? And who made this person see? So Jesus is, hey, oh. So you can already hear the controversy that's going on. For the priests, they said, absolutely not. Because for the priests, they had the monopoly of the knowledge of who God is, and everyone should go by what they say. <coughs> this man who was healed then told them, if they do not know who healed him, then they cannot be legitimate teachers of the law of God. Ay, 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 ay. This just ticked off these, the priests and the Pharisees and they kicked out this man who had been healed and he was excommunicated. Now the claim that Jesus says he's the gate comes now in chapter 10 where Jesus meets up with this guy later. There was a crowd that was following him and Jesus recognized this guy. And we pick it up in verse 1 and says where John says, picking up from what Jesus says, very truly, very truly I tell you, Pharisee, I tell you Pharisees, who are part of that crowd, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. 
Jesus used this as a figure of speech, but the Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, Very truly, I tell you, verse 7, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. He says again in verse 9, Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Jesus here is making an audacious claim. One more time. To those of you who have just joining this I am series. When Jesus was saying these words I am. He was taking the same role as what God did when he approached Moses in a burning bush. When Moses asked him, you have told me to go and lead Israel out of, out of slavery, out of Egypt. And he says, when I go to them, who do I tell them? Has sent me. God said, tell them I am sent me. In fact, Moses asked, what do you mean I am? And God responds, I am who I am. And Jesus here again invokes that thing and purposely does that. I want us to break this down by just giving us just a, an analogy of what the, 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 the importance of a gate is. Now, uh, our rural ancestral home out by the lakeside is about 10 acres. And for a long time, this parcel of land was not fenced. People would use um, uh, our land, our family land, as a shortcut. You just cross from one end to the other. Cross. After a long discussion with my father, um, we decided, he and I decided, you know, let's invest and, and, and put up a fence. And when we fence the compound, my aunt who also lives in a section of that, um, of that compound attested to this. Uh, and it sounds, it sounds interesting when she says it in, in, uh, in the Luo, but she could say, attest to it that says she noticed she has fewer visitors nowadays during lunchtime. The fence and the gate changed everything. It changed. It changed how the rural homestead, our rural ancestral homestead was perceived <coughs> and even accessed. People were not coming in. You know, you, you just show up at lunchtime. I, I was just passing by. You know those stories, yeah? I was just passing by. Okay, you were just passing by. Uh -huh. So you sit down. And uh, we are just about to eat. No, 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 I'm in a hurry. No, no, eat, eat, eat. eat. Oh, I'm in a hurry. We're just going here to the, to the shops. We're going to buy something. Ah, just, just, just eat a bit. Just taste, taste. Just, just taste. Okay, if you insist. And you sit down and you see that person serving a whole full plate. And they were just passing by. The gate changed everything for, that, for our home. We've since moved from that area. But the gate changed everything for that. And Jesus uses the analogy 
of the gate to distinguish his ministry from the ministry of the Pharisees. Jesus called them thieves and characterizes them in a couple of ways. He first calls them thieves. Thieves who climb over a fence. And then secondly, he calls them strangers. And he says this, the, the, he says, the sheep are unfamiliar with his or her dealings and they will run away. Hey, thank you, man. Asante. Thank you, Mato. So just think about this, guys. Jesus talking about the Pharisees to the Pharisees in the other place. He's saying that, one, you are a thief. And you climb over a fence. You are a stranger. And the sheep do not know you. They are unfamiliar with your dealings. And they actually do run away. And if you look at how livestock are herded, they are creatures of habit, but they are docile. And they follow the lead of the sheep, of the lead sheep or goat or camel or cow ahead of them. Jesus accuses the Pharisees of not being in the interests of the flock, of the sheep, by not directing the sheep through the gate and leading the sheep to safe pasture. He calls them thieves, strangers. So here he makes another similar claim to being God, but in a more subtle way, not like the other ways, but in a more subtle way, he says, I am saying, I am the gate. He is suggesting here, guys, that the Pharisees are more interested in themselves and they ignore what is most important, the healing and the transformation of this man's heart who was born blind. In the case of the man born blind, they were more concerned by being right than acknowledging that a miracle of him getting his sight happened. Jesus says, I am the gate. Does this resonate with us today? I want to say yes, it does. Jesus' declaration that he is the gate mulikas the failings of the church. It mulikas the failings of the church like Nairobi Chapel Langata. It mulikas the failings of the church in this city and in this country. By Jesus saying, I am the gate, it especially asks of the leadership to do a great soul searching. Last week, the soul searching was for us as individuals. We asked, if Christ is the light of the world, what is the light showing us in our lives? If the light is mulikaing the dark places, how are we dealing with that? Today, Jesus saying he's the gate is now mulikaing the church and our failings. Nito boy. Nito boy. These are four things that I have been wrestling with of where we have failed as a church. 
and not just as NCLA, but as a church in general. I think for us as a church, we have glorified giving. We have glorified giving at the expense of teaching stewardship. We have not modeled financial discipline, hard work. We continue to say that the Lord is going to bless us with a car. But that car costs a certain amount of money. Let's work so that we can save up and buy that. But from pulpits, we hear people saying, the Lord is going to give you <laughs> that car. <coughs> Yet the route to be able to buying that vehicle is financial discipline, saving up so that you can get that. Oh, and learning how to drive and getting a driver's license. That would also be the thing. But we have glorified the place of money and giving, we have failed to teach stewardship and financial discipline. Yet, if you look at the Gospels, apart from the kingdom of God, Jesus spoke more about money, the use of money, than anything else. Because it is money that actually shows who we really are. You give somebody a lot of money, you won't say, I, I, I guarantee you, they won't change. It will just reveal who that person is. If you give them a lot of money, okay, it will reveal who that person is. In fact, it just amplifies, it magnifies, magnifies rather who that person is. Or take away the money or the little money that they have. That real person will come out. James warns us about how we treat people who are affluent among us. We celebrate giving, especially those who give large amounts. And we see this in a church. God forbid that we would do this at Nairobi Chapel, Langata. And if we have, may the Lord have mercy on us. Number two, we have categorized sin. There's one sin that is more than the other. There's one sin that's more egregious than the other. We have, we have condemned those who have sinned sexually. Even excommunicated them. Yet, among us, there are people who steal from their employers. Among us, there are people who bribe the system. Among us, there are people who are beating their spouses. And indeed, guys, there are some sins that, that bear greater consequences than others. But nevertheless, sin is sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, Scripture says. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And so, as a church, we have categorized sin so that we tolerate some and, we ex and excuse them. As saying, they are just being human. Our human state is decrepit, good people. We talked about that last week in Romans chapter 1 from verse 18 to the end of that chapter, verse 32. That we are desperately wicked. 
But we have categorized sin. But before God, sin is sin. The mistake we have when we categorize sin is we begin to start thinking we are more righteous than others. Number three. I think that we have done, guys, we have remained silent when evil reigns or even thrives. We have remained silent where people have been suffering among us. And this has been our response. We know what is going on, but we choose to pray from a distance, but not to engage. When marriages among us are going south and airy, we will pray. But as a body of believers, we choose not to stand with the couples that are going through the challenges that they're going through. The injustices in our community, we give excuses that there's, we only respond when it's convenient. And that is, that is, that is, that is typical of our demographic. So, last week when Mandamano was happening, I was in my house. And I decided to start monitoring what was going on with my intelligence uh, network around the city. Kuna nini huko, kuna nini huko, what's going on here and all that. And as I was looking at the texts that were coming through and people telling me, because my, my, my wife had asked me, so what's going on, what's, what's happening? So by, by the time things were getting worse, I saw a text of uh, a post of somebody, of uh, a Kamzungu guy who was in Madare. I don't know if you guys saw that one. And he was in the midst. He, he came out of, out of curiosity to find out what's going on. And, and he was there just looking and a tear gas canister was thrown to him. Guys, I'm not glorifying what has been happening. It's a principle I want to be able to do. This person was curious. And when, when and you could see naive Mzungu guy, he had just been in Kenya for a couple of days, and when the tear gas was thrown, you could see the guy coughing, all that stuff, and then somebody picked up that canister and threw it back. And he turned to the Mzungu and said, Welcome to Kenya! And the Mzungu guy coughed, he said, Thank you! But I ask, how is it that this man was curious, but me who has been in this country all these years, I'm sitting here getting my intelligence from my networks around the city. I'm not sure if guys we are, we are angry about where we are as a nation. How are our prayers to God? What is God really saying about where we are as a nation? What is God saying about how we tolerate, how we glorify our leaders? What is, what is God saying? And are we, are, is our heart broken by the things that break God's heart about where Kenya is? Guys, 
It was only five, six years ago when Wajir County, Mandera County had its first caesarean section. About six, seven years ago. That doesn't piss us off, guys. Then it, it shows that we have a problem. It shows that we have a problem that an entire sugar industry has collapsed. And people in Western Kenya don't know what to do. It, it, it appalls us that young people in Mount Kenya region, in Kiambu, in Muranga, are now just just have so much alcohol abuse there and the rest of us this doesn't bother us we have remained silent as a church when evil reigns when we see the enemy killing destroying yet christ has come to give life and life abundantly we have remained silent but the thing guys that has really got and broken my heart and as your pastor is we have failed to make you disciples of Jesus Christ. We have reduced you to making you fans of Jesus Christ. Followers, just like we follow people on Facebook and all that, but we have failed to make you disciples of Jesus. This, I want to say, is the biggest indictment because we exist as a church to make disciples of all nations and we have failed to do that of you. And I think this is what Jesus was saying when he says, I am the gate. The church has failed. And to you, Nairobi Chapel Langata, as your pastor, I want to acknowledge this place where we have failed you. And as your pastor, I'm asking that you would accept our apology. I am sorry. I pray that you'd be gracious to forgive us as your leaders because even in our attempts to preach the truth, we have failed you. And as we close, I want, I want to try something here. I'm not sure if it's been done here before, but I, I, I want to us to begin to, to look at where else has the church failed you as an individual. My pastoral team doesn't know I'm going to do this. Okay? So, so this is coming as, as news to them. But we want to hear from you. Where has Nairobi Chapel Langata hurt you, failed you? And I want us to be true. I want us to be open. And so Barry, just put up that WhatsApp line here. So you just write, this is where Nairobi Chapel Langata has failed me. Has failed me. Let's not talk about others. I also want to say, if another church has hurt you, because, I mean, we've heard of church wounds 
father wounds, mother wounds, but I'd like us to deal with our church wounds and try to bring about some healing and reconciliation with the church of Jesus Christ. We are to be the representatives of Christ here. And where we fail, I want to acknowledge that we have. I want to hear from you. And if you're holding wounds or hurts from the church, or from one of us as a pastors, please write it down on this WhatsApp line. I will keep it up. And guys, within the next several weeks and months, I want to make attempts to begin to correct this. To say where, in the words of Chinua Cheba, where did the rain start beating us? And begin to reconcile on this and hopefully find a way forward with healing. I want us to take some time to pray now that God would give us the grace to heal us from our hurt and our pain from the church. That we would continue to ask God to uh, God's grace over us to forgive and to be able to put these hurts behind us. And I want to urge you if you choose to write and send to this WhatsApp text uh, number, I will attempt within the next several weeks and months to make contact with you and follow up and find ways we can reconcile with you. If it is another pastor or church um, that harmed you, uh, we could try on our behalf to reach out to them and mediate on your behalf to see where we can bring reconciliation because that is what we are, ministers of reconciliation as a church. Yesterday I was at an event of a good family friend and I met a former colleague who no longer worked with them but we are at an, they have moved to another church and we're talking with this individual. We're talking about how we, where some of our colleagues are some who have left ministry and all that, and we're talking about some of the hurts that they may have. And I asked her about another individual who we did know, a colleague. And when we reflected, this continued to show me how I think we as a church need to continue to have a door opened where we do reconciliation. If Jesus says, I am the gate that leads a sheep to green pastures, then the church needs to be that to you. Once again, as your pastor, I am sorry where we have failed you. Let us pray. God, we recognize that Lord, even the responsibility you've given me as one of the pastors here at Nairobi Chapel Langata. The Nairobi Chapel movement of churches and my colleagues all over 
who holds this this role of being the head of leadership of the body of Christ in different communities lord it is an awesome task and responsibility we have attempted to model you but we have failed lord we have failed to shepherd we have failed to teach truth we have failed to speak prophetically we have failed to lead father we've even failed to make disciples would you forgive us father we have failed and we ask that father god you would forgive us we have failed members of our congregation they have had some may have had expectations of us but we have failed to meet them and we recognize some of them might be high expectations that we could never may have achieved but yet we may have not even tried hard enough and father for that we are sorry would you forgive us have mercy on us father where we have failed the langata community as nairobi chapel langata where we have failed to be a voice for you in this community father god forgive us we ask for your grace to forgive us and we ask for your grace over these we may have failed may have hurt that lord you would give them the grace to extend to us when we come to them and ask for forgiveness on behalf of this church father god have mercy on us and we pray that lord you would heal the hurt because you are the mender of broken hearts thank you for your grace that you tell us in your word if we confess our sins you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness thank you father god that we can come to you with these things for you said you are the gate you are the gate and whoever enters you through you will be saved they will come in and go out and find pastures for the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy but you came that we may have life and have it to the full we pray that lord we would emulate this indeed as a church in jesus name we pray amen